Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Evening Dhamma. Today we're looking at Today we're looking at Anapanasati. Mindfulness of breathing. This is part of the Satipatthana Sutta, the first the first real practical teaching. So he's gotten into the actual instruction, meditation instruction. And predictably, understandably, the Buddha begins with the breath. Buddhist meditation is very much uh, involved with the mind, the, the mindfulness of breathing. It's a staple Buddhist meditation practice. In fact, it's not even something unique to Buddhism. And it's not a mystery as to why we choose the breath always as our foundation for the practice. Even a, a little bit of experience practicing meditation will show you that the breath is a prominent uh, experience when you're sitting still and you've closed your eyes unless there's loud noises or sharp pains in your leg maybe from sitting cross-legged once you get comfortable sitting the most prominent object is going to be the breath Not only is it prominent, but it's stable and constant Compared to everything else you're going to experience It's something that's convenient Conveniently easy to pay attention to So starting with the breath really makes sense it's, First of all, it's physical And the physical is obviously the most um, the most obvious or the most easily discernible of all the four Satipatthana so this is under mindfulness of the body mindfulness of the body comes first with good reason because it really is the easiest for especially a new meditator to focus on The mindfulness of breathing, um, interestingly enough, the practice that we follow, we often don't, sh we often shy away from calling it mindfulness of breathing, because mindfulness of breathing is technically a little bit complicated. Um, it's an involved process, and it's complicated because. It doesn't fit squarely in 
samatha practice or vipassana practice. Right? When you're practicing metta bhavana, mindful, uh, um, the cultivation of love or kindness, that's clearly samatha. There's no question there. Because your object is a human being, human beings are just concepts. So the focus of your attention is not something that really exists. It's not your actual experience. It's a person or people. If you focus on a, a, a color, say white, well, white is uh, white is a concept. It's something that you imagine in your mind. You create it, and as a result. These kinds of meditation allow you to get very focused and calm, fixed on a single object. But they're not, it's not awareness of what's really happening. It's not awareness that allows you to understand impermanent suffering and non-self. So it's not vipassana. Now Anapanasati, even the Visuddhimagga, though the Visuddhimagga places it in with all the other samatha practices, and our tradition, the tradition, the Theravada tradition would like to say, hey, all of those are samatha. It's not really so cut and dried. Not just with Anapanasati, but especially with Anapanasati. The Buddha Gosam does a good job, I think, of explaining the, 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 the various uses of Anapanasati. And, the way he puts it is, mo is is really based on, I think, how the Buddha taught it, um, starting with starting with samatha and cultivating the practice up until the point where you're really no longer focusing on the breath, you're focusing on the concept of the breath. And it's some kind of, and this is, some people don't agree with his assessment and have different experiences, but he himself says people Everyone has different experiences, uh, and, and experiences the, the absorption differently. But the point is, when you focus on the breath, which really we say, that well, that's not quite what we're doing in our practice. But when you focus on the breath going in and going out, it becomes very subtle, to the point where what you're focusing on is really a concept, some kind of conception of breath and they, he says it's like a spider web or it's like a puff of air or that kind of thing you know it's a it's an idea of the breath because only that is only a concept allows you to fix your attention single-pointedly without wavering the reality doesn't admit that because it's it's always changing and so you enter into the jhanas that way and then come out of it and 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 practice in a different way you, you, say, you say okay well i've calmed my mind down i've fixed and focused my mind now what if i look at the breath and see what's really going on and then you separate it out and then you do it well what we start with so in our technique we start with the vipassana first and gradually build up the samatha um, so instead of focusing on the the concept of the breath we're focusing on the, the materiality of the breath, the physical experience. It's not the idea of anything going in or going out. It's not really the breath at all. 
but if you look at it well clearly it's what else is it it's really when you breathe in there's the expansion when you breathe out there's the contraction so those two feelings are very much mindfulness of breathing it's just mindfulness of breathing from a vipassana point of view from a point of view of trying to see impermanent suffering and non-self and it's something that people really have a hard time getting their head around when they begin this practice it's quite challenging intellectually or mentally psychologically because it's not calming it's a, it's everything it shouldn't be we come to we practice mindfulness of breathing generally people who start to practice this to calm the mind down to seek stability to seek satisfaction to seek control of their mind right these three things are what we think meditation is and that is a certain type of meditation we call it samatha meditation it's limited it's great it's powerful but in the end it's not going to free you from suffering because it's not real and reality isn't like that samsara is impermanent unsatisfying and uncontrollable so what you can the, the, the encouragement you can get from practicing the way we practice is that, well, yes, I definitely am seeing impermanent suffering and non-self. You're gaining what we call vipassana. You're coming to see the three characteristics. And the Buddha said this, was the, this is the path of purification. Eventually, uh, after practicing to calm the mind down using anapanasati, you have to see impermanence anicca anupasi viharati anicca anupasi asasami tisikati or something like that uh, seeing impermanence I will breathe in I will breathe in seeing impermanence how does that work? it doesn't matter whether your focus is on the nose or on the stomach we prefer the stomach because it's quite coarse but the point is seeing it's like this one time, like this another time, different each time. Sometimes, digang wa asasamiti pajanati. He knows I am breathing in long. Rasang wa rasang asasamiti pajanati. He knows I'm breathing in short. Sometimes short, sometimes long, seeing impermanent. It's important to understand kind of the distinction here based on where your mind is focused. And to be clear that you know, if your mind is focused on the concept of the breathing to the point where you get very fixed on this idea, then that's samatha meditation. That's great, fine and good and calming, but it won't lead to insight. So the the Buddha seems clearly to have taught it taught both of these and generally both of them together. Generally, he taught to enter into the jhanas and gain all sorts of magical powers. Or if, because what we have in the Tipitaka is a very full uh, teaching. We have a representative teaching. It's not the way everyone practiced, but it's the um, archetypal, the the. Uh, it's the blueprint for a complete practice for someone who practices samatha and gains the jhanas as well as vipassana which is, I'm not 
uh, certainly not one who says that that's wrong or that our way is better somehow. I might perhaps say that our way is simpler. And Ajahn Tong used to say it's uh, it's like if you have this medicine and it's in these fancy bottles, uh, but then and it's got a trademark and it's got all you know it's it's. It's got a, a, a label, right? I think is what he was trying to say. It's a brand name medicine. It's very expensive. Uh, but for poor people, people who can't afford this great medicine, they get the same medicine, but they get a knockoff brand. So it's got the same stuff inside. It just doesn't have the brand name. It doesn't have the fancy bottle. It's not, maybe the instructions are printed in poor English, that kind of thing. But the medicine is the same. The idea is that the essence, what really cures, is is fine, but it's not as as wonderful. Right? It's not well for the meditation. It's it's not as pleasant. Obviously, the practice we do is a little, a lot less fancy than someone practicing samatha and even gaining all sorts of magical powers. And a lot of people are attracted to that, understandably. Um, if you have the time, if you have the inclination, I know a lot of people prefer to do all of that as well, which is of course fine. Point being, in the end, they have to come back to this sort of practice anyway. You'll have to come back to focus on reality in order to see the truth of suffering. But Anapanasati, this is our first the first section, that, as I said, that we're actually taught learning about practice, the Buddha was especially praiseworthy of Anapanasati. He said, Santo Jeva Panito Ja, Asejana Koja, Sukho Ja Viharo, Upanupane papake akusale dhamme antarada peti vupasame Tanaso antarada peti vupasame I think I've got that right Santo Anapanasati is peaceful Santa, peaceful Even the practice that we do is quite peaceful It can throw you for a loop in the beginning but there's a great amount of peace that comes from focusing on the breath and not having to seek out a meditation object. The breath is always here, it's reassuring. Sometimes when things are, when your life is overwhelming you, you just come back to the breath. Of course with samatha practice it's quite easy, but even with vipassana practice, with samatha it's quite pleasant and it calms you down. With vipassana practice it clears your mind, it helps you see clearly. Panitoja, it's subtle. Again, this more relates to samatha meditation as being something sublime, something that gets more and more subtle. But even even with vipassana, perhaps even more, when you focus on the the stomach rising and falling, for example, you start to see more subtly and and have a deeper understanding and appreciation of reality of impermanence. You, know, you really learn to let go by focusing on the stomach because it's uncontrollable, it's impermanent, it's unsatisfying. 
Asejana koja. Asejanaka is an interesting word. Sejanaka means mixed, uh, caught up, or uh, really sort of like a a um, you know, mixed up with other things. Asejanako means unadulterated or unmixed. It means it's pure. What it means is the breath is something very specific. There's no, it's not confusing or mixed up. It's there's no uncertainty about what to focus on. The breath is an object that you can always rely upon to be just the breath. It's uh, it's not something hard to find. Sukho Javiharo, it is uh, it is a peaceful peaceful dwelling. There's a dwelling is a dwelling in happiness. It's a happy dwelling. Again with Samatha meditation it's because it leads very much to tranquility, but with Vipassana it's because it again clears the mind something that you can always come back to and when you reach Sankarupe Kanyana when you've fully cultivated Vipassana insight your breath becomes a, a sort of a refuge in a sense of something that can keep you going and keep you very much present Right, it's an anchor to keep you here and now and keep you from getting caught up in extrapolation and judgment reaction and then upanupane papakeyakusale dhammi whatever arisen evil unwholesome states whatever evil unwholesome states might arise as they arise tana so right then and there Antarada Peti Vupasameti destroys them. Mindfulness of breathing destroys the defilement. So with with Samatha meditation it destroys them temporarily by uh, by entering into the jhanas. With Vipassana meditation it destroys them because it's such again, again, such a good object for seeing clearly. The Buddha. This is a a quote from the Buddha, where he praised. The point is the point of relating this to is because he praised specifically mindfulness of breathing uh, for having these qualities, for being particularly peaceful and particularly um, beneficial as far as rooting out the defilement. And many other types of meditation, even. Other types of meditation that the Buddha recommended that aren't mindfulness of breathing. But he recommended this one specifically, and he always came back to it. 
There was a time where he taught mindfulness of death, I think it was, or mindfulness of loathsomeness of the body or something, and it led some people to kill themselves. And Ananda, Ananda reported to the Buddha, and the Buddha said, well, then teach, then teach Anapanasati, because it's, it's more peaceful. Sometimes people just have bad... Their minds are, are too mixed up, and meditation is... They, they react too strongly, so Anapanasati is considered to be more most reliable practice. So as to what the text itself says, there is some, some things that I shouldn't skip over to. We're talking about mindfulness of the body, but this is the one where the Buddha, as in places where he explains mindfulness of breathing elsewhere, he gives some details about the practice, about some practical details about how to cultivate mindfulness of breathing. He says, Aranya gatova, rukkamula gatova, sunyagara gatova. Having gone to the forest, having gone to the foot of a tree, or having gone to an empty dwelling. This is a standard enumeration of the good places to practice. It's not to say you can't practice anywhere. Um, this is a standard, the standard advice given by the Buddha. Hey, if you can, head out to the forest, or just find a tree somewhere or you know, really the best way is just find an empty place it doesn't matter where whether it's in the forest or in the city find, an, find a, a spot where you can be alone is basically what he's saying nisidati palankang abujitwa so this is having sitting cross-legged and he recommends sitting in the lotus position I mean, in India, of course, this would have been a... He's dealing with people who can easily sit on the floor and can sit cross-legged. Even able to sit full lotus. Ujjungkayang panidhaya. Make your body straight, sit up straight. A lot of this instruction is... Um, or the sort of this, this sort of instruction remember has a lot more to do with samatha practice we're going to see that as we go through the satipatthana it's pretty clear that well it really doesn't matter what position your body is in the buddha even says whatever position your body is in be mindful of that so this specific one with anapanasati has much more to do with the archetype of i don't know if that's the right word but this this template of a course of practice whereby you enter into the jhanas first uh, and he's just following that. I mean, this is a, this this section is el elsewhere in many different places in the Anapanasati Sutta, for example. There's a much more detailed explanation of this sort of practice that goes through the jhanas.
and he offers some similes about it that I won't go into, but um, the, in each of the sections he's going to repeat himself at the end and say, in this way, one is mindful of the body internally or externally, or internally and externally. Uh, is mindful of the beginning, the arising of, of experiences in regards to the body or the, the arising of, of the body or the cessation of the body or the arising and the cessation of the body so what does all that mean? in terms of vipassana practice I, I think it depends how you interpret this but it's mostly an internal I think strictly speaking it's an internal practice meaning you're only aware of your own body Vipassana insight can't, of course, arise when you're focused on someone else's body. There are certain types of mindfulness of, uh, of the body or mindfulness that have to do with someone else's body. Mindfulness of death, for example. Mindfulness of the loathsomeness of the body. You can focus on a dead body or a, a decomposing body or you can focus on, on a, a, a body that's cut up and focus on the various pieces of the body. Yeah, we're going to go through, we'll, we'll get to that sort of practice. But that's not vipassana. But he's saying it here because you know, internally or externally, um, there are different ways of, of meditating. Some are samatha, some are vipassana. But the part about the beginning and the arising and the ceasing, the rising or the ceasing or the arising and the ceasing, well this has much more to do with the actual core of this sutta is about, which is insight practice, coming to see things as they are. So when we focus on the arising of an experience, we try and see it as it arises, see it as it ceases. The point being trying to eventually go through the stages of knowledge um, where we come to see impermanence we see that there's not a lasting entity involved in this experience experiences arise and cease moment after moment after moment there is no me, no mine, no self involved so a big part of our practice is being able to see experiences as as atomic as something that arises and ceases and that it is in and of itself and it's not the same thing that was there a moment ago that it is something that arises and ceases the arising and ceasing of phenomena plays a big part in, in insight practice in, in the understanding of impermanence suffering and non-self it's a big part of our observation as we practice seeing things come and go and come and go and it's eventually the only um, salient observation that the meditator engages in. When they reach Sankarupekanyana, they're merely seeing experiences arise and cease without any kind of judgment or, or attachment. It's merely a, a, a sequence of arising and ceasing arise, and it's, it's completely peaceful. So watching the stomach begin, end, begin, end. Watching the thoughts arise and cease. 
arising and ceasing. This is the salient characteristic. It's really the only characteristic in the end. Everything else is just a judgment and a reaction or an extrapolation or a conception. The only thing that's important is the arising, or the only thing that's real. And the only thing you should or can say when you get to the pinnacle of insight practice is it arises and it ceases. And then he says, Atikayoti vapanasa satipachupatitahoti. Or one establishes mindfulness just to the extent this is body. Now, and this is body is really just an example. What he's saying is, this is this. Right, so when you whatever you do with the body, and he's going to repeat this. This is not just with anapanasati, with each part of the body, with each part of the sutta. Really, seeing this is this, it is what it is. Body is body. So this practice of for using the mantra to say rising, falling, or stepping right, stepping left, or with the other satipatthana as well. It is that. That's all it is. It is what it is. Yavadeva jnana mataya patisati mataya with just, with just knowledge for only for the purpose of knowledge patisati mata patis only for being mindful of it. Meaning our perception has none of the baggage When we're talking about being mindful What we mean is just knowing it Just remembering it, recognizing it This is seeing, this is hearing, this is rising, this is falling This is the in-breath, this is the out-breath Mindfulness is, is often called bare attention For this reason, because it's 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 an it's a one-to-one -one experience. Whatever you experience, that's how you perceive it. That's the state of being mindful. Anisito javiharati. One dwells unclinging or independent is the word. Anisita means independent. Yes, mindfulness is what makes you independent. You are not dependent. Oh, I hope it's like this. Or if it's like this, if it's like that, I will be, I will be lost. When it's like this, I I can't meditate. When it's like this, my meditation is is best. Now my meditation is good. Now my meditation is bad. Judgments like this, this makes you dependent. One who is mindful is independent. Doesn't matter what comes. Doesn't matter what the experiences are. It doesn't affect the, the meditator. Natchakinchi loke upadiyati. One doesn't cling to anything in the world. It's a very good description of what it means to be mindful. If you had any doubts about what the Buddha was talking about, really reading the Satipatthana Sutta and focusing on these words, it makes it clear. This is what it is. Not clinging to anything. There's no doubt and... Well, it's quite clear as we practice that, okay, I'm clinging to quite a few things, so 
This is where our practice takes place, overcoming these clingings, being aware of them, watching them, rising above them, cleaning them out to the point where you just experience. Thus one dwells mindful of the body and the body. And this paragraph is going to repeat for each section. So it's the most salient aspect of, or it's the summary of what it means to be mindful of the body. Each section is just going to go through various ways of describing mindfulness of the body. And then feelings, and then dhamma, uh, mind, and then dhamma. So that's Anapanasati for tonight. Looks like the website is down, so spinning, spinning. I think uh, no questions tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a good night.